0: Welcome to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. Our uh, penultimate episode here of the regular season—just one yeah. game left. Uh, we'll have a sort of season recap, I guess, at the end of Week 18. Uh, Nick, uh, happy New Year! How was the trip down yes, to Miami? I guess how, the, how was the trip back? <laughs> I, I know sl- there were some flight issues. For well,
1: I slingshot in and out. So, I mean, the, the, here's how it goes: you want to be a you want to be a sports writer, ladies and gentlemen. This is the this is what it takes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, this was this was actually good. I didn't have to go for the full week uh, of the bowl. So I, I only had to go in for the uh, day before, which actually worked out because they had all the virtual press conferences like I knew they probably would. Um, so I saved time not having to go there. I, got, I was able to be at home with the kids and everything, so that was great. Uh, going in was fine. Of course, Little little hectic because, as you know, Chris, the, the fares to get down to South Florida were... Uh, outrageous uh, and everything was just kind of crazy so i did have to connect a little hectic getting in but i got in around midnight uh, the day before and then going home i was supposed to take a 10 a.m out new year's day uh and i had to connect on uh, southwest i normally fly delta of course i'm not insane uh, but the fares were <laughs> completely ridiculous you know i know that everyone's gonna <laughs> go there right but the fares were insane so we had to go And take Southwest this time. Sure. Um, So I'm connecting again. And I'm like, okay, everything's been fine so far. And I get back to the hotel around like 2 o'clock a.m. And I'm like, they had like a breakfast for us and stuff. I'm like, "Ah, I'm just going to go to bed because I'm flying at this, you know, this 10 a.m. So I'm about to go to bed, plug my phone in. And then I get two texts from Southwest that both my flights have been canceled. That's all it said. Your flights have been canceled. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And it was like, oh, awesome. Thanks. And then it was a link to rebook. Uh, and the only available flight I found was a 6 a.m. Uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Nashville. So instead of going <laughs> to bed, I just went to the uh, airport. <laughs> and then Always I went home. a blast. Yeah, so we made it, but uh, actually made it home a lot earlier than I would have otherwise. Yeah. And I beat the snow, so it ended up working out uh, just fine. So Southwest's <laughs> ineptitude uh, saved the day. That Maybe happened to me longer.
0: the... Uh, whatever year the Super Bowl was in New York, like mm-hmm. the day after... This oh yeah! huge yeah. snowstorm. It was like great weather all week. And then the day after that, Monday after a huge snowstorm swept in. And so I got yeah. back. It was sort of the same thing. My flight didn't get canceled, but I got back to the hotel and it was going to get canceled. Yeah, for right. Sure 100%. If I didn't yeah. go, I just went straight to the airport. It's like, put me on standby for whatever you got. Right. Uh, and we got on, like, the 530 flight. We sat on the runway for two hours.
1: Oh, my God. And, and you're and just like, they please! Took, they took yeah, right. off, like,
0: in the middle of a blizzard. Like, I don't know if this was actually. You're like, hung out in New York decision. for three more yeah. days. Uh, no, I'd yeah. have
1: been like, let's go. Let's take our chances. Let's, right. let's, <laughs> let's the, just see what happens here. Always <laughs> the <laughs> race to get out. I actually uh, well, did have that happen once in Paris uh, my, uh, on the way back from Michigan. So when I went there to cover that trip, my flights got true. all canceled on the way to the airport. So uh can't get much worse than that. So every, everything was fine in the long run. We made it back. Oh,
0: man. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> glad you're home. Wish the game yeah. would have been a little better, uh, a little more competitive down there. but
1: uh... Yeah. Well, that was a good season for Michigan either way. So yep. uh, all things considered, I think the people who went probably had a good time, except for the game itself. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the lead up to it was, it was festive. And everything else, but uh, onward and upward.
0: Well, and you got home uh, in time to watch the Lions' masterpiece (laughs) on Sunday. Um, Came back, you know, fought back in it, had a couple moments of Uh enjoyment there. The onside kick, Amon Ra had another big day. Of course, got the Taylor Decker. The offensive tackle touchdown was coming at some point. They tried twice on the same drive, finally got one, but give up 51. Rashad Penny rushed for like 600 yards. They just right. couldn't do anything yeah. on defense. Uh, there've been a few. There's been three or four clunkers this year. That was right. That was kind of yeah, right yeah. up. That was the worst defensive performance, oh, I think. Yeah. Um, and sort of right up there with those was Philly and uh, Cincinnati. That, like,
1: that was like the San Francisco game. That's what it reminded me of.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Like a little bit because I guess it not exactly the same because I guess it went differently. But like um our Michael Sean our Seahawks writer tweeted at one point during the game something like this is a the Seahawks lead is down to like two scores because the Lions have fight in them and that's literally it <laughs> and it's like yeah that's <laughs> it right. i mean like yeah. that's i was like that's perfect because they couldn't do anything with them defensively and i remo- no. was reminded of the San Francisco game where it was like anytime they really wanted to stretch them they got there but it was like if the Seahawks were going to screw a few things up the Lions had enough to maybe scrap in there and everything else but it was an overmatched day defensively which I think maybe leads us into we're not going to sit here and break the game down because I don't think anybody wants to hear that (laughs) but I think that leads us into some important questions here or at least an important topic because you know Dan Campbell was it today or yesterday where he where he said yeah today on his night weekly you know ninety two point one hit there so he you know he called out Derek Barnes a little bit and you know not a little bit I mean he said you know Derek needs to play better um you know, we need to get more from him, um, needs to be better. Levi, I think, was Levi in that yep. uh, call-out as well? Levi's in the call-out as well, which I think is super interesting for a couple of reasons. I think it's going to lead us into a conversation about the rookies, but also maybe before we break that down, Chris, and we go and look at every rookie and how they played this year, look, interesting that Campbell is no longer talking about the rookies like they're rookies, I think. Yeah. right? I think that was notable, and I think that that's important uh, for those guys to hear.
0: Yeah, and he said something, I can't remember which, it was one of the home games, you know, he said, and we've, we hear this from coaches every year, you know, you get to week 14, week 15, yeah. you're not a rookie anymore, right? That's always yeah. the line. And he said the same thing, and especially yeah. with the amount that these guys have been playing. Exactly, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they they can pull it up now as we're talking, but Derek Barnes, is, it's not like he's played 100 snaps this year. You know, he's been out there uh, a bunch, he's up to 400 snaps on the year, which is... Yeah. He's a pretty a significant margin yeah. or number for a guy who wasn't a, hasn't been a starter really for most of the year. Yeah. So, um, but I think you're right. Yeah, he uh, was asked about Barnes. It was the which uh, it's the Stoney and Jansen, right? Are the mm-hmm. two guys that yep. do that 97.1, and he does that show every week. Um, yeah, and he said of Barnes, he's got to play better. I thought he took a step back. We need more from our stack linebackers. Um yeah. and he said, you know, he talked about how. Um, you need He needs to learn – Barnes needs to learn by sticking his hand in the fire before he realizes it's hot. You know, just one of those things like he's got to experience some of this stuff that he's messing up before yeah. we can really teach him why he's messing it up, I guess. Um, yes. That's and that's sort point. of been the case for the rookies all year. And he's like you said, he brought up Levi. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he said McNeil. Lee McNeil he thought had one of his better games in Seattle, which is interesting as I mentioned the run defense yeah, right. is so exactly. bad. But um, Levi, he said uh, – you know Levi is kind of what he's been he's been up and down he's flashed he shows out and then the next play you know isn't as good and exactly just a learning experience and so it's some of the stuff we've been talking about with those two guys but I think this rookie class um we've got a pretty good picture on all these guys really at this we do uh and so like you said I think it's kind of interesting it's a good jumping off point here um with one week left I don't you know, Penay Sewell, I guess, can come back and play on Sunday under the league's new COVID rules, but he just went on the COVID list Monday. Mm-hmm. The Lions haven't had anyone this year come back within a week and play after getting on that list, so we'll see. Right. I guess you kind of cross your fingers. It'd be nice to you. Don't want to go into the last game without Sewell and Decker if you're right. trying to win, but um, Sewell's season could be over. Uh, I don't know. You want to start with Barnes? Let's just start with Barnes because that's okay. where Campbell yeah, started. And uh, I think you know, I tweeted out after a lot of the stuff that we've seen from Barnes. People keep asking. I probably got more questions about Barnes than anyone else this year. Why isn't he starting? Why isn't he in the lineup? Right? You know, why isn't he playing more? And I think Campbell sort of laid it out. They just don't. He's not good enough when he's out there. That's the long and short of it. Yeah. You know, like he hasn't played well enough. And I tweeted out like I think a lot of it is we did the film study of him back in June off his college tape. And a lot of the things we said were right. positives have shown up and all the negatives have shown up.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, like it's, it's good to hear him saying this now, you know, and it's like, it's good to hear him say it now. And I almost wish he'd said it like seven or eight weeks ago, to be quite honest with you. Cause it was all things we were talking about early in the season because I think we both saw it in camp where, you know, when he was out there, cause you know, he had the injuries in May uh, and then he didn't have anything and, you know, off season stuff. And then he missed, he missed like really valuable days early in camp where yep. he was just in, you know, shirt and t-shirt or whatever. And you could tell that it was costing him. But then when he, even by the end of camp, when we got back out there and saw him running around, it was like, okay, he's, he's back in like hitting shape and he's working his butt off. But like, you could tell then I think I could anyway that like, yes, He still looked like an old running back, you know, still trying to figure out how to play linebacker. And it was important to me to hear this year, you know, that Anzalone was taking that leadership role with Barnes specifically. And it was important to hear, of course, that he was receptive to it and that he was receptive to Spielman. And then the more you thought about it, it was like, okay, they clearly see what we're seeing, that, you know, he has a long way to go and they need to get him in there and they need to... But also at the same time, I think what we're seeing here is like Campbell kind of saying like he needs to be in there. Yes, but he also needs to earn it. I'm not going to I'm not going to play him uh, over Jalen at this point. Right. I'm not going to just I'm just not going to do it because he's the guy that we need to whatever. He needs to continue to work and do and be the guy that, you know, deserves those reps to learn that, you know, it's hot before he gets in the fire. I guess if that makes any sense. But it's been a fascinating year, I think, in so many ways, because I don't think I'm ready to give up on him at all. In fact, I think I'm still excited about his future but you know he's at a critical time here where we need to see a corner start turning
0: right and that's that's what I've mentioned to people about Barnes and Onsarike. I mean those are guys who both missed Onzerike missed like two weeks at the start of camp and then was hurt at the start of the regular season and Barnes like you said he got hurt I think he hurt his hamstring initially in rookie mini camp like right after the draft yeah it was like in the spring yeah right away and then was in and out of OTAs and then he missed a few days at the start of camp and He was out there, and like you said, he was talking with Spielman and Glenn and all that, but that's tough to overcome as a rookie, and that was why we saw so many rookies struggle in 2020, because they missed, you know, the whole offseason program got scrapped, and then you're trying to pick everything up in three weeks before the regular season, and it's just not realistic, and so I think that that time off really hurt. I also think it was telling, you know, Anzalone was wearing the green dot all year as the defensive play caller, and then he got hurt, and, you know, they since August, Barnes had been kind of following Anzalone's footsteps there. You know, he was wearing the green dot when he was in there with the second unit. He was on the sideline making calls, um, trying to mimic what Anzalone was doing when Barnes wasn't on the field. And then Anzalone got hurt, and they gave the green dot to Josh Woods and then to Jalen reeves Mabin. And exactly. so I think that there everybody was, else but Derek. right and there. So I think there was an understanding there that. You know, A, you don't want to overload a guy who's already struggling, I think. But B, that maybe he just wasn't there yet. He wasn't ready to handle that level of responsibility. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think this is a big off season. You need to stay healthy. Like I said, I think most of it is just like he's made some plays where he gets through mm-hmm. traffic and he's closing gaps and he just has speed that the Lions, maybe Reeves Maven is similar, but they don't really have the – not like that. The speed and size. Not the chase speed right. like he has, yeah. Uh, and so he can close those windows and you can use him as a blitzer and pass rusher and he can play aggressively there and make some plays. But the flip side, as we've talked about on here, they don't trust him in coverage at, all, at all, I don't no. think. And no. Glenn, f- from the moment we first talked to him, mentioned how, for this defense to work, the linebackers have to be willing to kind of stick their nose in there, be physical, hit guys, you know, hit mm-hmm. linemen, and then yeah. still be able to peel back and find the play. The thing that we noticed on Barnes when we watched that tape back in June was that he would have some plays where he yeah. didn't play decisively enough, and he'd wind up getting washed out like 10 yards downfield by a guard, and, you you know, the play would go right into that gap. And I think that's shown up too this year. Oh, yeah. He's not – He's not getting downhill the way you need no. him to get downhill, and that, like, when you look at that Seattle tape, I mean, that right. was every linebacker basically just getting killed. Yeah, but like every that's time they played him repeatedly, yeah.
1: every time they played a good team this year, I feel like we saw we saw examples of that. Like a really good tackle would catch Barnes. I think he's been depleted a few times this year. We saw that a couple times, and I thought I think we saw we we knew we would see it because exactly what you're saying, Chris, is 100 right. When we watched him at Purdue, he had the elite chase speed, the, the ability to you know, chase down a play in the backfield. He could read things a little quicker, I think, because he was a back. He was you know, all the between-the-tackle stuff, and that's what's shown up on tape. All the good things that we've seen from Derek Barnes this year has been him attacking a between-the-tackle run where he, he knows what it is right away, puts his nose in there, and boom, he blows it up. And it's like, holy shit, what was that, right? And I want to see that again. Problem with Derek Barnes right now is that's all he can do. Like, I mean, there's not a lot else to his game. You know, when he was healthy back in August and able to get back out there, you know, it was notable to me that, you know, when they first started throwing him out in 11-on-11s, I think the very first day, and, okay, let's see, you run it right in the middle, and he was lost. I mean, he was completely lost in coverage to a point where he would just almost freeze and just kind of, like, stand in one spot and not do anything. And it was like, oh, my God, you can't do that. Like, it was – so it was starting – Really at the bottom, Purdue used him in a really niche niche way, right? Like we talked about the pass rush. He, sometimes he'd line up as a defensive end and just go get it. Yeah. Um, right. So I think it's important to note, and they know this, that he is still very early in his football life, like as a player, because he switched in the middle of college, or at least at the beginning of college. Like he was a running back all the way up. Then he goes to college and they made him a linebacker. So he's still very early in his like linebacker growth in terms of understanding how to unpack an offense, how to unpack, you know, coverage and everything else. And the amount of stuff that goes on the plate for an inside linebacker, a stack guy in the NFL, like, I don't care how simple the defense makes it for you. Like, you are the guy that is getting attacked (coughs) at all times, from all angles. You have to be able to sort out so much. It's just just as bad as a safety in terms of complexities. So he's a great and interesting case, and he's been the most interesting rookie in so many ways for me, I think, this year because – he, there's so much more to go for him, but like they really need it to be faster. And I don't know how much faster they can ask it to be, right? Like, what do you think a growth track for him looks like going forward here?
0: Well, I, I mean, I do think it's important what you mentioned. It's just that how raw, I guess, everything is here because right. it, he wasn't playing that position. And then last year at Purdue, I mean, I asked him a few weeks ago about Julian Oquora and he pointed out, I mean, oh yeah, it, you know, Julian's basically playing what I played last year. Uh, in college, you know, and yeah, that was his role. Like linebacker. he was, a, right. He was an edge guy, like a drop edge guy, hybrid guy on, on the corner. And um, right. and so to move him, yeah, to have him play like middle linebacker and wear the green dot, that's a significant jump in what right. you're, a difference at least in what you're asking him to do. So I do think that there was going to be uh, a pretty steep learning curve. And I think that's why they never really, never really even hinted at putting him in the starting line up early in the season, um, you know, I think the plan all along was to have Anzalone, Reeves, Maven yeah. there. Uh, right. And so, I mean, I still like the traits are still there. And that's what you were drafting on a lot of it. You just, you saw the athleticism, you saw the size, uh, and you saw sort of the playmaking in the backfield, and you hope the rest of it can come along. So I think that there's still, you know, that's a, that's a tough position to play as as a rookie and, and as oh, someone yeah. who doesn't have a lot of experience playing there, so I Especially, think that right. if you get him a full off season uh, in the in the program here where he's healthy, I think you should see a pretty significant jump next year. That said, hmm. I don't think, and this is sort of why I think it's important to start talking about these guys again here too. Someone asked me, like, do you would you have, if if the Lions are sitting there and uh, Dean the Georgia linebacker somehow oh, in their lap? Geez. You would you take would you take yes. him or just skip it because you have Barnes? Uh, uh-uh. you would it. take him. Or if yeah. you find a linebacker in free agency, let's go. <laughs> like you are not avoiding anything because of what Derek Barnes maybe can be in a year. Great or point. Two. Yep. Um, but I do think that there's still that upside for him because, it, I mean the the athletic skill set sort of fits what you need right now on a defense. It's just the rest of it hasn't come along the way you were hoping to in year one.
1: That's a great point and that's a great way to look at it and it could actually happen this year too. I wouldn't be shocked if they do something like that because I think if you could go further like Angeloni's not going to be here forever and neither is Reeves Maven. So, you know, they need two stack backers anyway. So like maybe a little competition there with some young guys would light a fire because you're right. Like he is not he wasn't he wasn't a first or second round pick. He's a project late round mid to late round picked guy that they like. But, like, it's important that he knows right now, I think, from Campbell, like, you need to pick it up. You know, like, we need to see Perfect. things. We would be willing to put up with it a little bit more if we had more invested in you, right? Like, I think that's maybe the message that is probably going to get sent to him uh, this winter and this spring, like, whenever, who they, you know, whoever else they bring in this year and whoever he's working with. Like, we need to see some corners turned when you come back here and we put pads on. Like, I think that's the ultimate message to Derek Barnes as they wrap up this year. Not a bad year. I wouldn't say he had a bad year at all. I think it was a uh, 394 snaps. Uh, that's an A for me because I don't think he had, he was going to get 394 snaps if all things went according to plan If injuries and things, or if they kept Jamie Collins, like, I don't think he was scheduled to get this right. many snaps, yeah. right? Like, so that he got that many reps to me is a that's a win. Like I don't care if they were all bad. Like he, that's something for him to learn from. He can take so much of that data and everything else this offseason, you know, and learn from it. So I think that's a good stuff. That's a good. That's a good starting point for a guy that was going to need a year to get his feet under him anyway.
0: I keep forgetting Jamie Collins was on this roster.
1: Feels <laughs> like thirty season. years ago, but like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I always yeah. skip over him when I'm
0: going back. I, just right. uh, real quickly because we we mentioned a few times. Um, can you give people just like a. 10 second summary of what a stack linebacker is for people who haven't heard that term before.
1: So just the, it's just an inside, it's just an inside linebacker. So it's the two guys that are going to be in the tackle box. So, you know, when you think stack linebacker, you think your traditional middle linebacker, like, you know, what the Lions did when they drafted Jared Davis, uh, what Spielman was Spielman in today's game would be a stack linebacker. Whereas like Julian Okwara is an edge player. So he's, you know, an edge linebacker or an overhang, uh, you know, a guy who play defensive end. Or be on the outside. But, you know, when we're talking stack linebackers, it's still the guys that are going to line up, you know, and have to dodge the guards and the fullbacks and everything in the middle. Uh,
0: so that was the one that, uh, you know, Barnes was the one guy. We mentioned Enrique was the other guy. And that, mm-hmm. you know, I've gotten a lot of – I've heard a lot of complaints about him too from people yeah. asking questions. You know, why, why – I mean, there are games where, like Sunday, I think the only time I noticed him was when he got – blown out of a gap on one of the touchdown (laughs) runs he might have had a tackle or two I'm sure he he did I could pull up the box score but I you know it wasn't a game where he was impacting a lot Um, yeah and there have been there probably been too many of those this season and like Dan Campbell said you know the frustrating thing is that he'll have a rep okay so he had three tackles on Sunday so the frustrating thing is you'll see a rep where he just blows everything up he gets uh exactly. you know the lineman blocking him on its heels or he shoots a gap because he's got that quick side to side sort of lateral mo- mobility and can convert speed to power all those things you want from an interior guy and he'll blow it up and then for the next 20 minutes you won't hear from him at all because he's just sort of out there um right and i don't know you know how do you take that next step with him i guess it's sort of the same question as with Barnes: like can you unlock it for a full game or is this just going to be where you have to pick your spots moving forward because you're never going to get 60 minutes from him.
1: Yeah, I think it's like well, I think he still has to be considered in a similar context, not the same as Barnes. Like I feel like he needs to pick it up in some ways because like it just needs to be about his decision to be a consistent player. I think that's what it comes down to for Levi because he's too talented He's too talented to be that inconsistent, and that's what we saw from him in college. And it was, you know, when you looked at him against like a Davion Nixon or one of those guys like that came out or Milton Williams or one of those guys that we looked at that were probably in the same conversation as Levi and, you know, draft range, whatever. Those guys were more consistent. They made more – Aline McNeil, you know, makes more plays because his technique is more consistent and better, whereas Levi was a draft – was a guy that you were going to look at that high on the board because he was like a freak because his lower half was so explosive and it was so strong that when he got, when he at, when he accidentally landed his punch right and hit a guy in the chest, (laughs) it was like a clown car. He would roll the guy over and it would be like, holy shit, you couldn't do anything with him. And so we've seen that a few times this year where he has actually like landed a few and you're like, whoa, like that looks like a defensive tackle. Like he's making, making some noise in there. That's what they drafted. But it has been, like, on a... You can count it on, the like one hand when he's done it. And that's been the challenge for him. And he also missed time, you know, early in camp. And we were, like... Remember we talked about this in, like, July. It was, like, the Barnes and Levi were the two guys they could not afford to lose time, for, and I guess, iffy, you know, in terms of the learning stuff, because they needed to learn how to be consistent. And I think that's still a thing for uh, for where he's at right now, because unlike the conversation with Barnes, Andrew was a second-round pick, so you're going to be willing maybe to take the ride and he also was giving you really, really good stuff, but like he's got to be better because this year has not been good enough, no.
0: Well, I do think the injuries there, not to keep making excuses for guys, but it was a back injury, like two weeks of camp. Right, early on. Mm -hmm. And then he came back and he looked like he was going to need a while. He looked like the conditioning was going to be a huge problem for him. And then – I think he got, he got back there, to, though. Got there, okay. and then he got hurt at the start of the regular season with a hip, I believe, and missed a, another game. And so I I don't know that he's been 100% healthy this whole time. I know that he, you know, I do think that set him back to miss that time early sure. on. Sure. Um, and he's another guy. I mean, if you go back to that Washington tape for him. Mm-hmm. He's doing different things now than what Washington had him doing too. Uh, yeah, they're know, going to do doing more with a them. lot of like nose tackle at yep. Washington, uh, yep. and hasn't he's done some of that, but that's not his primary that's, role when he's out yeah. there either. So that's why
1: they drafted him high, though, right? Because right. well, they right. think he can do all those things, yeah. <laughs> right,
0: uh, and so I, yeah, I don't know that one. It's tough because there are those play, those moments where you see it all kind of come together, and then the rest of it, you're sort of like, this is kind of how it looked with Deshaun Hand for 4 years, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the good is better with Le'Veon, but out. it's
1: inconsistent, yeah.
0: Right. I, and I don't know. I mean, I, and again, I don't know I don't know how you unlock. That's that's probably one of the toughest things to unlock because if it's just a technique thing, you can tweak that. And if it's, you know, guy needs to put on 10 pounds, you put him in the weight room. When it's that the motor runs hot and cold, that's a little yeah. harder to fix. And so I think that this is it really boils down to just you know it's it's kind of oversimplifying it but like how good does this guy want to be and how much does he want to be on the field because if he wants to be a starting guy if he wants to be a you know a really impactful player on every down most of it's going to be on him because i think the skill sets there i think this defense will put him in some good spots but yeah i mean the consistency is something that really was lacking all year
1: yeah i mean you know he's <sighs> He's, I know he left school early, right? Uh, I get he opted out, but yep. so people, I guess, would assume younger guy, I suppose. But I mean, he's 23, it's not like he's 19 or 20 or something. Like, yeah, I think he needs to learn how to become a pro. I think that's what is there for him. And I would say that I think Derek Barnes, when we were just talking about him, I think Derek Barnes knows how to be one. Everything I've seen, like, he works.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like
1: he works in a smarter way than what we've seen from... I'm, I mean, we don't see everything, so I don't want to totally blanket statement that, but I feel like I've seen the things I've seen from Barnes and, and the improvements I've seen from him, you can tell you know, that he's there for it in terms of the work, and Levi, I think, sometimes is and sometimes isn't. And I think that's still something that they're going through with him. That seems pretty obvious.
0: Yeah. I. I mean, I do think that Levi has the... He could be the best guy in that class other than Sewell. Yeah, I I mean, I think he's got the attitude that they like up front. He's got that sort of edge to him. I think it probably did help him to be in the room with Michael Brockers this year. I'm sure he's at a more mature place now than he was in August. So, again, you just sort of take these baby steps and hope when he comes back next year it's a little better. Uh, But that I I can understand, certainly, the frustration from Dan Campbell. And like you said, especially because – A lot of what he's doing, you know, they're not playing the same spot. They're not in the same role, but you're going to compare to Lee McNeil because they were both brought in the same class. They're both playing up front. And I think McNeil's had some ups and downs too, but to me, it's been there a lot of the time for a Lee McNeil. You know, it doesn't always jump off the page because he's not making a ton of tackles. They're not using him as much as I would argue they should on passing downs. But I think he's been an effective player. And especially when Brockers has been in there or when you get the occasional good game from Nick Williams, you see it from McNeil. Yeah. Um, so that one, I don't know. I I will it. leave this year feeling pretty good about where Ali McNeil's at. He's been hard
1: to block all year. Um, he was the hardest rookie for anybody to block in camp. Even the first line had trouble with him. Uh, and I think that that's been the thing I've landed on with him. He hasn't been like the chaos guy. I think Levi is the guy that they hope to be the chaos guy. Whereas McNeil is just the guy that you can't move. You just like, just this guy is always in the way. Like we can't get him out of here. Like inside, like you can move him around over gaps a little bit inside, but I think that's his, that's going to be his role in the NFL. And that's why teams are attracted to him. You know, that ability that we talked about to squat over the center and just sort of like mess with the guy and like kind of earn, you know, win gap and a half win maybe two gaps just by being in the way and being hard to block. Like, I think, He's not overwhelming anybody, and he's probably never going to do that. And I'm not sure that his numbers are ever going to be, like, awesome in any capacity. But he's going to get better than he was this year. And I think by the end of next year, we could be looking at, like, a really good football player. Not not a guy that you're maybe going to say, like, oh, he's an all-pro or whatever. But I, I don't know what all that goes. But I think he's going to be a guy that you can pen, pen down and in ink after the end of next year if all things go at the same track. Because that was a great rookie season, I think, right? Like, I think he was really good um, all year from what they asked him to do. And like you said, Chris, I think I would argue that they could have gotten more from him. So um, really promising start to uh, to his career. And also, you know, a guy that uh, is another, that's a good check checkmark for, for Holmes, right? Because I think that when they drafted him, there were people that were like, uh, what are you doing? You know, I don't know what you're doing with this one. And I think that that worked out okay. So, you know, that's a good one.
0: You know, he's been able to play some different spots too. You know, they play him at nose quite a bit, but he's been in there with Pennesini and they'll move him over and let Pennesini play nose. He's played with Onsarike, and they both play like one tech or three tech and move him around a bunch. So I think he's a guy that you could see taking on more. I don't know how much more they'll give him. Like he's been playing right. like 40, 50% of the snaps a lot of weeks. That's probably going to be it, I think, um, mm-hmm. just because of his role. But. Uh yeah, I mean, I, he's been good. And you talk about the idea of sort of being a professional with Derek Barnes back in camp. Ali McNeil like would not leave Frank Ragnow alone because no. he's always asking him, you know, <laughs> right. how are you reacting if I do this? What are you doing? You know, what's your right. move off the ball here? And so he's trying to learn from him. And now he said he, McNeil said even a few days ago he Ragnow's been out. McNeil's sort of done that with all the defensive linemen throughout the year. He said, "I think I'm annoying people because I ask so many questions, <laughs> and uh, that's great, right?" I mean, oh I yeah, that's awesome. from him. yeah, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, that's hundred. He's not annoying anybody. I can tell you. Well, he probably is, but you know, he's not annoying the coaches. You know, and he's not annoying somebody like Frank. But I mean, like that's yeah, that's great to hear because like that's what you want. And I think that when I you know they drafted those defensive tackles, was it back to back? I guess it was there some, was I'm in the middle there? I can't remember how it all went, but like they drafted him like sort of around the same area. And I remember people being like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I'm like, I remember at the time being like, well, if one of them works out, it's <laughs> one of them, it better work out. But I think both guys right. still have what you want them to become in front of them. I think Levi can still get there. And I think McNeil is probably exactly where you thought he was going to be and, and then maybe even a little bit ahead. And I think that, so that counts for me as a, Really quality. I think McNeil counts as a really you know nice pick, right? Like, and there's a, and we'll go down. And I still think the jury's out on Barnes. Like, it still could be one. And again, we'll we'll say jury's out. I guess on Levi. But I think McNeil so far, you'd say pretty good. You know, and, yeah, I mean, it's hard sure. to see unless he totally like falls apart or gets hurt or something. It's hard to see that changing that much. So, you know, I I like what I see there, and I liked I like what they saw from him too, and and sort of how they've used him. I guess
0: it, it was back to back because that was. Levi was round I two, remember, yeah. and then uh, McNeil. They was round three, and Iffy was right at the end, or it was. was right okay. at the end of round three because that was they came back and traded up, and they had Barnes and Saint Brown back to back, or vice okay. versa, flipped the yeah. other way in round four because that was the spot where, you know, Brad Holmes came into the press conference and was like, maybe everyone can get off my ass, <laughs> yeah, am right. not taking <laughs> yeah. a receiver, yeah, right. uh, but yeah, that was. Um, I don't know the Levi one. It just feels like there's going to be more pressure on it. Like McNeil, I think already, if you're drafting a round three nose tackle, you got to be pretty happy with what you're oh, getting yeah. there. Like that's sure. great. Mm-hmm. Levi, you took in round two. That's a top fifty pick. You're asking him to be an impact guy, and people are always going to look back at yes, like, the Chargers took a Samuel Jr. a few picks later, and like Owusu Koramora went. Exactly. A little bit at that was a guy we had circled like all exactly. month, and he audience. has
1: been great when he's been healthy.
0: Right. Uh, and so you're always going to kind of look back and say, well, they could have done this. And so I right. think that, that that's not you know not always fair to the guy, but I do think. But that it's that's it's there. Part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, exactly. That's what it, I forgot to mention that part of it with Levi because that's a thousand percent what it what it was. They passed up on some guys at that time. Uh, you know, who were pretty good football players and guys that could have helped them. You know, uh, Tr- Morig, I don't know how it ended up going for him, but, I mean, he was a guy that we talked about. Uh, you know, JOK, of course, is one that, yep. you know, we talked about. Pete Werner is another one, uh, that linebacker from Ohio State who had a nice, I think he had a nice year, yeah, too. a good year, yeah. Um, so, like, there's guys in there that, you know, would have made a lot of sense for them uh, that they did not take. And Levi made sense for them, too, and we talked about that at the time, why, you know, people were upset. We told them, like, hey, you know, Look at this for what it is, not what it's not, but at the same time, as it goes into next season, and if people look around and they say, Well, Asante Samuel Jr. is still okay and Levi is not, well, that's fair enough. And I think that he's reached that point, uh, you know, as a second round pick, and I think that that'd be a fair fair thing for him as he goes in the offseason.
0: Plus side, I guess, uh they didn't take uh Kellen Mond, who Mike's yeah, right. like a viscera. I don't know if you caught that one. How did
1: Ozilari uh, end up playing this year? Like, Did he uh, do anything? Uh, yeah, he did pretty well. I, eight, eight sacks. Eight yeah, sacks. So you there go. you go. Yeah. I was going to say, if another I was one.
0: having a good year. I had a good year. Can yeah. probably count the number of New York Giants quarters I've watched. Exactly. On I have zero. So I don't so, have yeah, right. a lot of uh, first-hand working knowledge of that. But right. uh, yeah, eight sacks. That's. Uh, pretty solid um. right so you
1: know I you know I, I was I was encouraged you know when you pointed that out that the stuff that Campbell said on that on that show this morning because like that's important for both of those guys Derek and for Levi to hear that
0: all right well let's go up to the top we've talked a ton about Panay Sewell um yep. mentioned his season potentially over now because he's on the COVID list we'll see if he can come <laughs> right. back for week 18 if not I would say Pretty successful rookie year for him. I I mean, I don't know. I I don't even really know. He had that that down stretch early on when he was flipping around positions, and then came back extremely strong. Campbell said it at Monday's press conference. Like, I think you know, he said his pass protections really come along. The run blocking, as we've talked about, has been there since the day he set foot in the facility, and they never had to worry about it, and it's been great all year. So I. I mean, I think at this point, if you're finding stuff that he did wrong, it's just probably nitpicking to some extent. I mean, he's had some – he got called for like – I think he got called for two penalties on the same drive Sunday. He's had a little bit of penalty issues. He had some stuff early in the year where he was giving up um, some pretty easy quarterback pressures, but we haven't seen much of that at all for the past like two and a half months now. No.
1: PFF has him as a top – he is the number 16 tackle – of guys that started all season, basically, in the NFL, as a rookie at twenty years old. Okay, he is like a mid-range, full-time starting offensive tackle at twenty years old. He was what he's the tenth best run-blocking tackle in the NFL, regardless of anything. Right now, like I, he's fine. Like he's going to be outstanding. I think exactly like we thought, exactly like we thought. And I I think that you know they have every right to be excited and over the moon about him because for all the things we said, why you didn't do other things that you could have at the time. And that will be a question that hangs over them. And people that won't see the value that Sewell gives you will always go back to that sort of conversation and discussion and tough moments when things are difficult and when it's easy to complain and bitch and whine, but like, don't ever forget how consistently good this guy is on every snap, no matter what, and understand yeah. why they moved him around this year And understand that when you go forward, that should still be something that's on the table. That's part of his appeal. That's part of his attraction. That's part of his package. That's part of why he's unique. And I think, you know, people have rightly so. They paid a lot of attention to uh, Slater this year uh, with the Chargers. But, like, Sewell has been right behind him. And he's been a better run blocker all the way than him all year long. And they've both been, you know, two of the best, you know, rookie tackles or offensive tackles, period, in the NFL, Um, you know, Great stuff, and it was cool to see all the stuff that we saw from him in college play out, right? Like, because we didn't know he had that big layoff, and I think we talked about that a ton in the summer. Like, eh, we'll see, but it was cool to see everything play out the way it did. I mean, he's been an athletic freak that's held up against everybody they've played all year long in the run game, and you know that the past stuff will get just get better as he goes forward.
0: Yeah, I I uh, spoke with him and Vitae together a couple weeks mm-hmm. back, and you know he mentioned just how. You know, he kind of hit the rookie wall, and he actually said like camp was tough. And then the hardest moment of the season for him was probably week one because the Lions were down and they ran. I think they ended up running yeah, 90, they ninety two plays yep. in that uh-huh. game. He's he, exhausted. And yeah, he right. said he went in the locker room after that and was just like, is this what it's like every week? I can't do this, man. <laughs> and,
1: and then and, next week they ran like fifty plays, right? right.
0: <laughs> so uh, there's gonna be some learning curve there, and there was gonna be just even. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he didn't uh, like last <laughs> year wasn't a year off necessarily, but those opt-out years, you never, you didn't know how right, they're going to get back. And we talked about it with Levi. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's any room to complain about this no. pick, other uh, than I mean, I guess there probably is a small faction here that looks at Jamar Chase probably winning rookie of the year, fun, and yeah, wishes fair the Lions enough. would have him because he's incredible. But I mean, I think with where you were, without having to trade up, all those things. Uh, this is your guy like he's going to be here this is your anchor for your line for the next however many years and uh, he was everything that they wanted him to be in year one i think so
1: he was everything that they hoped he would be i think in year one right i think how many times do you say that how many times have we said that about a lions pick for crying out loud the first well, round pick uh,
0: i was gonna say i'm about to say it about Do you want to pull up right the sheet <laughs> oh,
1: because we can like it's not often <laughs> But, was, like, outstanding yeah. year for Penny Sewell. Yes, go ahead.
0: I I, mean, I was just going to say, I think the other guy, I was just going to knock off Amon Ross St. Brown here right. like, while yeah. we're f- feeling the good vibes because, I mean, he's rewriting the Lions rookie record book. <laughs> uh, he's been up for rookie of the week like four or five weeks in a row now. He was rookie of the month, offensive rookie of the month. I mean, it's just been – especially the last – Five weeks, and I guess if you want to go further back than that to when Dan Campbell took over the play calling duties, we've seen just an incredible jump from him. And a lot of it, I think, isn't even so much that he's gotten better. It's just that they figured out how to get him to football more. And he's responded to that. And I think, you know, you look at the way he's played, I don't think it's ridiculous to say, like, this is a hundred catch guy in the future if he plays the type of role he's been playing
1: absolutely not because I was just going to say something and I didn't when you mentioned the chase thing the thing to remember about that he has a quarterback throwing him the ball that's pretty damn good and Amon Ross St. <laughs> Brown does yeah. not okay so like you know St. Brown was I think uh I think his numbers or his efficiencies are like either as good or better than Devonta Smith's I think he was a top two or three rookie in the NFL in terms of you know, overall receiver packages this year, um, he never drops anything. His routes are awesome. He's always open. He blocks, like he's everything that we thought he could be. And as they get better as it when they get better as a team, you know, I think all those things are going to go up for him. I think, yes, he could be a hundred catch guy. And I think as they get better as a team, you know, he's at like 10 yards per catch right now. I think you could see that increase a little bit too. Maybe not, it'll never be you know, Devonta Smith's going to have a higher potential for that, you know, as time goes on. And obviously, Chase is going to be insane. But, you know, I could see St. Brown becoming a guy who's like a 13 yard, you know, 14 yard per catch guy, you know, at some point in his career just because he's that good of a route runner and he's good after the catch, too. So, sky's the limit right now for him. I think that was, that's, you know, Sewell being what he was has to go down as their best pick, I think. But in terms of just overall value, like, he's it with a bullet, right? Like, all yeah. the way.
0: Had a pretty nice touchdown run, too. I mean, Yeah, had a uh, touchdown run. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Right. I mean, and th- this is one of the... I don't know. This is one of the other frustrating things about this season. We've talked about they're going to go through this whole year without ever having their offensive line together the way they picture it. They didn't run one snap with the five guys that they yeah. expected to have there. So we don't know how good that could have been. And I think to some extent, this is the same thing with St. Brown. Like, if they had... If they were running the offense as they're running it now, the play calling as, as it's happening now with St. Brown, Goff, Swift, and Hawkinson and Reynolds all out there together, I think mm. that would have looked pretty good. Right, exactly. So <laughs> Now you're basically down to St. Brown and yeah. that's right. it. Uh, and you're still getting this production, but that that's... One of the things I'll be looking forward to seeing, you know, as we get into April and June and August again, is just how is this all going to function together? And I think it's also going to be part of the conversation for sure as we go towards uh, free agency in the draft. Because, like, you talk about Traylon Burks at Arkansas. and Yeah, right. Is he redundant in this offense because of... You well St. Brown? I was or was just going two guys who so that? Great, want- the
1: greatest thing to me about St. Brown is this is that he you can change your offense. Um and the things that make him good will not change. Hmm. Like he's good because of the of the things he does, not because of the things the offense does for him. Like he create he's got 82 catches, they're all his. They're not created by anybody else. Like he's getting open because he's a good route runner, because he understands leverage. Because he understands coverage and because he understands how to do the little things. They've talked about, they they you know, inside, outside. I think they, they, he's in the backfield. He's running the ball now, apparently. <laughs> I mean, like, they'll probably let him pass block if he wants to back there, too. But, like, I think he's just a really good, smart football player. Like, and I think that you can just do whatever you want at receiver and put a guy with him. And he can just fit around other people. And when they talk about just getting good football players... That's Holmes' like thing, right? He talks about that that's his like catchphrase or whatever that he boils it all down to. We just want to get good players. Like he's, Amon Ross St. Brown should be on like the letterhead of that whole message or whatever. Like that's the example. Sewell too, but St. Brown for more value because of a lower pick. But when I look at him, like he's going to get open no matter what you're doing. This offense at points this year was dreadful and he was still getting open. So I mean like that's... I think the biggest takeaway is he's just a really good football player. Uh, we saw that immediately, and it's translated out all year. Now, of course, later in the year more than ever because they've really had to lean on him. And I would argue, Chris, like if they were comfortable going with him in more of these roles earlier in the year, we would see some really crazy numbers from him because they he would, yeah. he would have delivered, I think, if they would have gone to him. He was ready, I think, when the season started.
0: Yeah, I, I do think it'll be interesting as we talk about these receivers. You know, Keeb Talib said on the broadcast Sunday, like, they should get Jamison Williams and put him in this offense. Damn <laughs> right. Easier. Let's go! Yeah. They I don't get know that you can argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that it, we've sort of touched on it a little bit. This this wide receiver class is pretty good. A, it's loaded up top, <laughs> and they're all kind of a little bit pretty different. Good. And so, yeah. whoever they end up with, assuming they take someone, uh, you know, could give us a good idea what this offense is going to look like. But I think St. Brown. Man, if you get yeah. healthy that uh, that line Swift, St. Brown, and Hawkinson. Mm-hmm. You put anyone else out there, That's what And I'm maybe saying. it's just Reynolds. Maybe yeah. you don't even draft a receiver. I mean, I still think they should.
1: St. Brown's uh, got some of that Marvin Jones quality to him. You know what I mean? Like he's just always going to be a good player. Yep. I just think you can do anything you want with him, and he'll be a good player. And he like the bare minimum for being a good wide receiver in the NFL. You have to be able to get open with your feet. You have you can't drop a pass, and you have to be willing to block. He can do them all, like and I think that like that's he's perfect for that. And I and like when you're talking about like high floor receivers, which I think Holmes is a big fan of, I wouldn't hate just doing that. Just you know maybe it is Saint Brown Reynolds and another third or fourth round pick. I don't know. Look at Cooper Cup right now for crying out loud. I mean, these are, I think his philosophy on receivers is good. I think I'm willing to buy that right now, unless it's just been accidental to this point. <laughs> I don't know, but like, I think Holmes's like approach with receivers is good. I think I like where he's at with it.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. Um, someone tweeted it out. I can't remember who it was. I just saw it this week, but just that, there almost feels like there might be a shift now back to this type of receiver, the guys might, who can just destroy like get open zones. Yeah. <laughs> and, you get know, open. We're gonna that's what,
1: that's what Jackson Smith and Jim is the kid from Ohio state. I mean, that's what makes him so effective is he just yeah. kills you in zone. You can't yeah. find him. You know, it's like, it's, it's trying to grab a butterfly or whatever, or like, you know, something in air, or cotton, like floating in the air. Like you can't grab it. And like, that's yeah, it's the, it's the water bug guys, the guys that have the quality, like Cooper Cup does to like find space and not fall off and still have an understanding. But that also requires being, I think, a student of football, you know, at a level sure. that these guys are going to have to, you know, adapt to. And good thing for the Lions is that St. Brown is one of those as we've seen. And,
0: and I do think that that's some of why the numbers have gotten better yeah. as the years gone on, because it, a lot of it is the rapport with your quarterback and just knowing, you know, having that sense of where guys are going to be. And, and, and a lot of it is, is feeling out those spots that are going to work, you know, where am I going to get open here? And I think he's gotten better and better at that as the yeah, season's gone on. Absolutely. So yeah, I, man, just so impressive every week. Yeah. Uh let's go. We got two more draft picks here. Melafanwu. I'm still pretty intrigued by him, especially too. within yeah. this defense. He's come back uh, unfortunately for him, he's come back off injury and has had to start now, uh, basically covering Kyle Pitts one week and then DK Metcalf the next. And so, like, what do you do with that? I mean, there's only <laughs> good well, luck, man. Uh, um, you know,
1: that's what he's here to do, right? Cover the big physical <laughs> freaky guys eventually. So, uh, sure, yeah, all right. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but this is—we've talked a lot about sort of the prototype that Aaron Glenn maybe is looking for. Jerry Jacobs sort of broke it. Uh, he's not. The, you know mm-hmm. physically what what maybe we th- have thought of um from the type of cornerback glenn wants mellifon who is and i think we've they, they've already talked a little bit you know maybe he can be a hybrid guy for them and yeah. play some safety or play in the slot or all to do all these things that's one that you don't chalk the season up as 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 a loss because he has played some but i don't even know how much you can look at what's happened this year and get a feel no. for where he's going to go from here because it's just, he missed two months. <laughs> he's Right. Uh, you know, I think that like the these things, impossible spots now, the
1: good things that we've seen from him, I think you can carry over. They're small, but like he is physical and it's why I still think he should be a safety, but like that's the to here there. there. He is, he's physical and he's a good tackler. I think we did see that this year from him. Like when he's, when he's been in situations where he's had to make tackles and he's had to be sure with his, you know, you have the choice of either as a corner being physical or making the the Dion business decision, right? And like he doesn't do that. Like he's a physical player. You know that that's the guy. Like you said, Chris, like the guy that Aaron Glenn wants, a guy who's going to come up and make plays. But uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, they're starting they're starting underneath the basement there with him at corner because he just yeah. doesn't know. You know, especially with anything outside of whatever that was. He played like cover three in college. That's all they did uh, at Syracuse. So he was like a system corner. On top of everything else, I think they need to have a. You know, it's this year got away from him because he got hurt so many, you know, so early, but like really feels like they need to have like a real sharp plan for him, you know, going into the offseason of like specific role almost. Like you're just going to be this guy or or whatever, not try to throw too much at him because I almost feel like maybe he gets lost, but I am very intrigued. Yes, I'm still, still want to see how this all plays out because he's a great athlete, you know.
0: Do you think he is. Uh, a guy that they would think about moving around or do you think they'd rather just see what he can do with a full year at cornerback?
1: Well, I mean, they originally wanted him to play corner. So I think that that was their original intent. So, and they didn't get that. So my guess would be that they still feel like, you know, yeah, let's try that. It would depend on kind of what they do or what else they find other places, but based on their need at corner, that would make sense that you would say, okay, well, we thought this is what he could do first, you know, let's do that. But if it, if if that's not the case, if it was like we, we just put him at corner because we thought that would be easiest for him, then I would consider all possibilities, especially the hybrid slash safety slash put weight on and let's see what you can do around the box. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that kind of guy. And I think he could be that. He's got all the tools. So, you know, they've talked about the versatility, his background and man end zone and zone everything else and his willingness to compete. I, we just didn't see enough. He's, he's barely right. played.
0: Last pick was Jamar Jefferson. I uh, don't know if you remember draft weekend, but there were 144 <laughs> picks between Derek Barnes and yeah, Jamar Jefferson, and it yeah. felt like we were never going to get out. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah. <laughs> uh, just waiting and waiting and waiting for that last pick. I mean, it's a round seven, like end of round seven running back. I don't know that uh-huh. you necessarily were expecting all that much. He was stepping into a situation where you already had DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. But it's been a real struggle for Jamar Jefferson to get on the field even, you know, Craig Reynolds is, was on the roster, yeah. has, has worked over top of him now on the roster. Godwin Igwebuke is a better special teams guy, so he's stayed on there despite having some fumbling issues and Jefferson's been like the fifth or sixth running back. And I think at this point you ask if he's going to be on the roster next year. Um, yeah, but he hasn't played I don't know. Are there positives bad. for you there? He hasn't played bad
1: when he's been in there. But, like, yeah, you're right. You can't get on the field. The positives are I like him every time he's in. I, every time he gets in. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do, but he's never yeah, in. Yeah. Like, I mean, he never plays because he's always hurt or something. But, like, almost every time he gets in, I've liked something that we've seen from him. I mean, I liked him in camp. I, I liked him. He had that great day against Pittsburgh. He had that great run. Like, I mean – you know, we've seen flashes, but we've seen more of Godwin and we've seen more of Reynolds and they've been able to do it for longer stretches. And I think it's going to be maybe a case of just bad luck here for him. Yeah. Because how do you look at Reynolds and Godwin right now, especially Godwin? Because, man, I think there's a chance they found something there. He's still got some time that he's got to grow in the fumbling stuff and everything else, you know, that comes with the position switch, but... Uh, like he's been, he's done some things this year that they might have found something that's a keeper there. So you're looking at guys like that, and you're like, you can't keep him over them. So yeah, it's gonna be tough. He he's gonna have to be really really good, I think, in whatever if if he's back, I suppose, and they and they bring him back. But um, yeah, maybe a maybe a case of bad luck and bad timing just because of injury. But I do think he he could be a nice player. I'm not ready to toss in the towel on that one yet.
0: That's also a position the Rams. Draft have drafted a lot. The Lions used a draft pick last year. Do you think that that'll Maybe. continue? Do you think Brad Holmes' draft is just just give me a running back every year? Let's just keep throwing bodies at that position.
1: Maybe if if it's like you know something, and I think it's similar. It's similar to the receiver equation, right? Where it's like I think the receiver situation is I don't want to get caught having to pay a guy. I think that's more of what it is than anything else. Like the Rams to me, and they're going to get caught in having to pay a guy with Cooper cup. But I think the original intent of that, of course was let's get a bunch of like quality, high floor, low ceiling. I'm not going to ever have to pay you $30 million. You're never going to be able to reasonably look at me and ask for that. Uh, guys in here and just have a really good room and just that's quality and just, you know, always gets open. And I think that, that might be some of what they look at with the running backs, too, unless you have a guy like Swift, which is what they possibly have. So you fill guys around him you know, with, with parts that just kind of come and go. I don't know, but they also seem to like Jamal Williams, so I'm not sure if that changes that factor. But I almost wonder if that's why they did that with the Rams, right, where it was like just stay young there because like yeah. guys can come in the league and make impacts, as we've seen, at receiver and at running back in a way that they used to not be able to do. He used to not be able to think about, you know, 10 years ago, we used to not think about receivers. We used to think about receivers the same way we thought about offensive linemen in some ways. I'm serious. Like, people, you you never have – freshman receivers never play well. That used to be a thing. And it's like, no, okay, they always do now. Like, I mean, like, but that used to be a thing that people talked about. So, you know, that's changed, and I think that uh, Holmes certainly looks at it differently than a lot of people do.
0: I would like – I'm sort of with you because I would like to see him – I would have liked to see him get more of an opportunity. I think everyone would have. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And it just, for whatever reason, I I mean, I think a lot of it, like I said, I think with Godwin, he's playing on special teams. He's your been your kick return guy. He's been pretty good in that role, so he's going to be up. And then Reynolds has probably been better. He's mm-hmm. been darn better good when he's been in there, but I, be, I think yeah. he's more, more importantly, just from the little bit we get to view every day and from hearing these coaches talk, He's been way better in practices, and I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be the challenge for Jefferson is does he come back and yeah. sort of fight for this job in April right. if he's still here? And I assume he'll be back. I mean, there's not really any reason to cut a guy yeah. on a seventh-round you know, no, contract before no. you need to. But You
1: know, and he's a 5'10", 217-pound athlete. I don't know if there's other things that maybe they think they can do with him. I have no idea, but, you know, like I do think there's something there. I think that they'll give him a shot, though, right? Like, yeah, I think that there's enough to ride it out. And I, I just – you're. it feels like a log jam, though. It feels like too much. And you can't – and I don't I don't know if you want to give up on Godwin just yet. You just started on that project, and that could really pay off. And you can't get rid of Reynolds. I mean, he's – what, you know, you can't look at anybody else in the eye. <laughs> right? If you do that, I mean, after the right. way he's worked. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sort of is what it is.
0: All right. Well, uh Got uh got one more game, as you mentioned, the Packers. One more and then, game. Uh, so how do you
1: think this class, what do you say, one year in? I mean, obviously, like two or three yeah. years is what we need to judge a class, but I'd say we're about a third of the way to being able to judge this. I think so far, not bad, solid, a solid start, I think, so far to the Brad Holmes draft history era here in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you are in a tough spot because you really need, like, Five or six guys every year to click, and yeah. that's just history tells us it's not really possible. But if you right. get, I mean, if Sewell is your starting tackle for ten years, and St. Brown is as good as right. it looks like he's going to be, if you get contributions from a couple of these other guys, yeah, that two goes more down guys really are good. good class. Yeah, right. And McNeil's exactly. already there, I think. And I think so too. Barnes or Melifanu or Anzarike, like one of those guys at least yeah. should be. Able to stick it out with this thing, so I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you got to be feeling pretty good, and then if you're looping in some of these undrafted guys like Jacobs and mm-hmm. AJ Parker and I guess Riley Patterson, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, it's suddenly it's it looks like you've done a a good job of kind of refreshing the talent a little bit here. But yeah, I mean, it's Sewell and St. Brown alone put you in a, a good spot yeah, with this I mean, class. It's-
1: You found starters, and it was like, that's that was the most important thing. You found guys, I think that, and and all the guys that we talked about, I guess Melifanu there would be the one that I would maybe still have pause on because we just didn't see enough. But not only did you find starters, you found starters that we already know can be starters, but none of the guys we just mentioned there, they all have the potential to be starters, and we know that. Like, when we talked about Jelani Tavai after the first year, it was like, I don't know if he could play in the NFL. I don't know if he can be in football. This is not that. This is, so I think that. On basic, like, their fundamental plan, process, whatever, of identifying talent. I think I have more faith in it today than I did when the Brad Holmes era started. I'm not all the way, like, sold as a believer, but, I mean, like, it's trending in the right direction. I think that I understand still why they do the things that they do for the most part. I think I would say that because we talked about that when the year started. Like, they were very logical with all their moves this offseason, going into the season – And as we sit today, I still sort of have that feeling about most of the things that they've done this year make a lot of sense to me. And, you know, we've talked about, you mentioned that thing on Twitter the other day about Galladay not having any touchdown catches. Well, that's going to be a comp pick, folks. Pretty good. Like, they made some good decisions this year that didn't get highlighted a lot, that got lost in the shuffle when people were screaming and yelling about maybe they'll go winless. Maybe they'll go winless. Oh, God, maybe they'll go winless. And then they didn't go winless. So maybe, you know, we should focus on some of that stuff. As we go into the winter here, too. That's that's all I'll say. I'll go off my soapbox there.
0: Hey, man. Jelani Tavai is headed to the playoffs this year. <laughs> with the Pats.
1: So is Jamie Collins. He's going to oh, go get a ring. That's true. <laughs>
0: good
1: yeah, for Yeah, that him. Galladay pick actually,
0: I think, might be the highest. When they release him, might be the highest comp pick because of the type of money Galladay oh, yeah. got. Uh, which is in, you know, whatever it is. 90, third round, right? Whatever, yeah. Yeah, they're going to get a third round pick for him. Um I'll yeah, take it. I mean right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, like ninety-six or whatever. Uh yeah. ninety-seven. So yeah, that's uh that's significant. That's a pretty big good. Deal. Yeah. Uh, like they, yeah. yeah.
1: People were asking back then, what are they doing? Well, this is what they're doing. Like I think it's yeah, they, they did I think they did well this year. We you know, we've looked at the cap, all the things they've had to do to tightrope around that. Pretty good. They didn't, you know, didn't ruin that, didn't do anything stupid, right? Didn't do anything like over overly crazy or whatever. And, you know they're going to be at least, at worst, the second pick in the draft. So they got there, and they're going to, <laughs> they're going to have what they need, you know, to make this thing work. But as yeah. we talked about, the offseason here has to be even better.
0: Let's see, we'll see what the, the fighting bevels have oh, in God. store. So someday. that's what it's,
1: <laughs> So if they win, you've seen this, right? Adam Beasley's tweet. The yeah, yeah. If if Jacksonville beats Indianapolis, now I wouldn't see. I can't imagine. Because Indy needs this thing. This has got to be like the most desperate Indianapolis Colts football game in some time, I would think. If they lose this, they're out of the playoffs?
0: The Colts are... Are they in? I think the Colts are... (laughs) I don't know. I think they're in with a win. They're in with a win. I think they are out if they lose. Because then I think either... Now, I think the, the tweet thing, you're referencing yeah. is that the tie, right? Yeah. either both the Chargers and Raiders can get in if they tie, then they're right. just both in. Or I think the winner of that Steelers-Ravens game gets in if the Colts <sighs> lose. So the there's a lot riding on uh, the Trevor Lawrence this week.
1: I mean, stranger things have happened. I can't imagine it would occur, but I wouldn't rule it out just yet, I suppose. Uh, my God, what a loss that would be for the Colts.
0: I mean, oh God! I can't. My God, <laughs> just the whole thing. Oh, I mean, horrendous. you talk
1: about the margins in the NFL because the Lions are trying to build in a similar fashion right now. Without a a team first, you're building the team before the quarterback, right? Because luck's gone, and they had to sort of do it that way. And it is down to its eleventh hour here. It feels like.
0: Well, right. So we'll see and how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Not to go too far into yeah. this because we're at the end here, but that's. Sometimes, the Browns
1: are going through a similar situation just right, right now. Sometimes
0: yeah. you're almost worse off being right. there. And yeah. that's kind of where though I don't want to get into this whole Jim yeah. well, yeah. the whole discussion. But kind of you're sometimes when you get into that like eight and eight or mm-hmm. eight and nine, whatever it is now, nine and eight world, that's almost yeah. tougher to get out of there than most yeah. <laughs> completely yeah, right. because you get stuck there forever. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I was surprised the NFL schedule it the way it did because of that. The abnormalities that could come up with the oh. Chargers and Raiders just playing to a zero zero. Tra- yeah, how does draw, that? How does that? Yeah, wow. Well. I was disappointed that Jacksonville Indianapolis was left at the same time at the one p.m. kick, same time as Green Bay Detroit, because I kind of wanted to watch that game yeah. and just see how many flea flickers Daryl Bevel dialed up. Uh. So, like, they're
1: gonna take the tie then if they can- if that's a situation, right? They would have to. They would have the, to just like kneel the, the game Chargers out. And Raiders?
0: Yes, and Brandon so, Staley, even. as a thinking man's
1: football coach, should I, be for that.
0: I can't imagine they would do that.
1: If they both get in, if one of them loses, they don't get in. <laughs> like these guys, oh, you know man. how you
0: know how competitive these guys are. Also, this is the Raiders
1: we're talking about. Really
0: the Raiders can knock the Chargers out, though. That's you true. knock them out. Of, and they, and if you tie, well, that's then, how you think, sell it. Yeah, okay, but that's and Vegas would then have to go to Kansas City if they tie, I think. And the oh, so they do Dakota, have some motivation. Cincinnati, right. so there's some, like, Jeez, I, I guess. guess. I don't God. know.
1: I am fascinated by this. I have got to see the meal-out game. Or you I, just I be like, hey, let's see
0: just – Let's I want, just play a game
1: between the 20s, and then we won't score. I we'll just, just want to see
0: it. I want the Jaguars to win and the Steelers and Ravens to not tie because I just want to see what happens on Sunday night if there's the tie option is on the table.
1: Oh, yeah. like I, I want to see them turn that down because I don't think you can. <laughs> situation. I think you're like, your goal is to get to the playoffs, right? That's it. Just get me in. I don't care how we got there. And if the alternative is not getting there, (laughs) I think I'd rather tie. I don't know, man. You
0: know whoever gets the ball last is going to be like, nope. (laughs) Keep it up 50 (laughs) yards. (laughs) <laughs> screw over the. How other many team. Foot, How
1: many football guys are on uh, each staff? I guess that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Oh yeah,
0: there's no way I can't imagine it. But Patricia I would is love to see Patricia's it
1: burner account is listening to this podcast, and he is on his four wheeler right now toward my house <laughs> to burn it down. Over even thinking about this situation, my God, all of New England is crumbling.
0: Thinking about it, <laughs> well, of course the Lions. I guess are rooting for the Jaguars too because that could bump them up to the number one seed. Although. We'll see what the Packers look yeah. like on Sunday, and we'll uh, like I said, That's we'll true. be back next Tuesday to finish this thing out. Uh, we got a ton of content scheduled and set set up for you in the off season. We'll be with you, obviously, through. You know, Combine, Senior Bowl, whatever. I guess whatever they let us go to, I don't know yeah. what they're going to let us attend. Well, the Lions year,
1: staff will be at the Senior Bowl, right? That's pretty much guaranteed. Uh, well, that is guaranteed. Yeah, right? I
0: mean, they haven't officially announced yeah. it, but I, as long as the Lions don't say no. Well, um, they won't. Yeah, right. They'll we'll be coaching down there, sure. and then I don't know. I, but, I guess it depends. I don't know who the other staff will be. That, I that's think sort of up for debate. The I Jets, th-
1: maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess that's still TBD, but I think I think Hutchinson, is, is he going to the Senior Bowl?
0: A lot of these guys have started going and not I think doing anything. Okay. They go so he'll just be to, there. I think yeah, he's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. They'll so, go and just meet with, do the meetings. Cause that, the combine, yeah. you have the, the rules where it's, you know, do you get 20 minutes and they like shuttle everyone through every room? But at the senior bowl, it's just like, yeah, you get to hang out with them, do yeah. whatever you want. So even if he doesn't much, play, so, yeah, right. even if he doesn't
1: play, if they're in the one pick slot or whatever, or, or yeah. not, I mean, doesn't, we'll see how it goes, but. Yeah, I mean, like, so there's going to be, I think a lot more guys are starting to go. Yeah, I think Jim Nagy has done a good job of selling that to guys, you know, a lot of the high-end players who we used to see skip the senior bowl are showing up now. So it's always been a benefit, I think, for the coaches. It's always understated, I think. Like, it's a benefit for the staffs, especially one like this, like Campbell, you know, when they're in this spot where the draft is so huge, where to go down here and to be able to get familiarized more so with these kids – and they're, it's going to be some of the best of the best. Like That's a huge, huge thing for them, I think, right now.
0: Yep. And that would be the next big yep. moment, I guess, on the NFL calendar would be the Senior Bowl. So, like I said, we'll have plenty of content for you leading up to that coming out of the season. We'll be back next Tuesday to wrap up Week 18. Uh, so glad they <laughs> added the extra one. Week 18, <laughs> good God. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> And uh, see where the Lions land if they tie coming. I two, hope it happens yeah. for the NFL. Merry Christmas, guys! <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks everyone who's subscribed, rated, reviewed the show. You can get us ad free on the uh, Athletic app, so make sure you get over and subscribe there. Uh, you also can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, everywhere else you listen. So uh, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.